the darkness at thy speaking it was done. Welcome to sermons from Zion Lutheran Church of Gwinner, North Dakota. Zion Lutheran Church is committed to the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his feet, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of the pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him and say, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. In our day and age, it is taught that when we are offended by someone else, that this vile person who offended us then owes it to us to make things right. We are told that they need to grovel or apologize or do some sort of penance to make up for their offense against us. Now, if we have bought into the advice of the world, oftentimes we won't even tell the other person about their offense, but we will sure hint at it with passive-aggressive tactics. We will give them the silent treatment or reply with a snide, short response followed by sighs and rolled eyes. On the other hand, we can do the opposite, and that is to avoid them just enough to make them feel rejected, but not enough to make it obvious, blatantly obvious, that we are frustrated with them. You see, we want them to feel the backlash for their offense against us and then to crawl back to us with tears and dread, begging us to forgive them. With all this stated, though, if they do pick up on our silent treatment and passive-aggressive tactics and avoidance, and if they do not make things right, 
we then can convince ourselves that we are somehow justified to hold a long-standing grudge against them, as long as we want it to be held. You see, my friends, our world says that someone has to bleed. That's the way of the world. It says that someone has to bleed. Someone has to die when we are offended. There has to be some sort of punishment for the offense against us to make everything right again. And if there's no punishment, and if there's no groveling, and if there's no apology and no penance, then we are taught that it is within our right to hold a grudge as long as we deem it necessary. In fact, when we are offended, we often jump to the victim's status naturally, and we run to our friends to cry the woes of how we have been so severely mistreated by another person. The point being is this, when we are offended or sinned against by another person, we can quickly go down that path where we end up holding on to the wrongdoing, where we end up harboring bitterness and unforgiveness. Now, just to be clear, I am not talking about sweeping those injustices under the rug. I'm not advocating that we should become some sort of doormat where we allow people to walk over top of us with abuse. And I'm not talking about those times when we are sinned against, those times where we go to another person in the spirit of reconciliation to repair that damaged relationship. But rather, in today's gospel reading from the Gospel of Matthew, we are instead hearing about a problem, yes, a problem that comes out of withholding forgiveness for others. Yes, we're talking about that inborn characteristic that we all have, that you and I have, that we all have, that wants to hold on to those offenses that are committed against us. We're talking about that part of ourselves that won't let go of the times that we have been sinned against. We're talking about that part of us that wants someone's blood for their wrongdoing against us. Now, let us pause for a moment here. And be honest for a moment. Yes, let us pause and be honest for a moment. We are surrounded by injustices all around us. People sin all the time, including you and me. Sin abounds in our culture. And what we say to ourselves in response to this is this. We say, well, as long as they aren't hurting me, what concern is it of mine when they sin? That is to say... We rarely get worked up when a person sins against one of our neighbors. However, if that same person were to sin against us, even in that smallest of ways, our whole world is turned upside down. And once our world is turned upside down, we get our paper and our pen out to keep a record of all the wrongdoings against us. We write these offenses down in our minds and we examine it from all angles. We stew over the offense, letting it raise our blood pressure, keeping us up late at night, tossing and turning, fuming and stewing over these offenses. Yes, small offenses are made into massive injustices in our minds, injustices towards humanity. Well, we put that person in our debt deeming that they owe us some sort of undefined recompense for their wrongdoing against us. Now, everything becomes unraveled, though, when the person who has sinned against us asks for forgiveness. 
all of our plans, all of our thinking, everything that we have contrived in regard to this, it all becomes unraveled when they ask for forgiveness. Yes, when a person who offends us realizes their sin, they come to us, apologize, and then we are left in that very difficult place. When this happens, we are left with the need to forgive, to let go. You see, my friends, the word, yes, the word forgiveness is a word that means to let go or to release. Forgiveness does not imply that there is no offense and it is not saying that the sin never happened, but rather forgiveness acknowledges sin, but then says this, I release you from your debt. I let go of my desire to see you bleed for your offense. Indeed, forgiveness is not the same as saying, no worries, everything is all right. But rather, forgiveness actually acknowledges the offense, and then it says that we are no longer going to have vengeance towards that person for their wrong. Forgiveness is a release. It is a letting go. It is a letting go of vengeance. It is a letting go of our desire to get even. It is a release of that record-keeping. It is a release of the need to get even for the injustice done against us. And as it has been previously alluded to, forgiveness is difficult. It is very difficult, especially if we have spent years upon years holding on to the other person's offense against us. Let us be honest again. We have all gone down this unforgiving path before, and we know our neighbors who have done this as well. We know those stories of that farmer who won't drink coffee at a particular restaurant and won't belong to a particular elevator co-op because of a land dispute with another farmer decades ago. We know those stories of parishioners who refused to set their feet inside a church because a pastor offended them years ago. We know those stories when a person will go to the other side of the street to avoid a fellow neighbor who offended them. We know those stories where family members have avoided each other for years because of a past conflict. Now these are just a few of the examples where this lack of forgiveness is played out. You and I have stories just like these with different plots and different circumstances, but the same lack of forgiveness. Tragically, my friends, A spirit of unforgiveness is toxic. Not only is it toxic towards someone seeking forgiveness, but it is toxic to the person withholding forgiveness. It destroys everything. It heaps upon each other condemnation. You see, when we hold on to injustices and when we refuse to forgive... We are doing so because we want the other person to suffer and to pay for their offense against us. And two things are really happening here when we go this route of unforgiveness. First, we have propped ourselves up so high that we have made ourselves into a God where we say this, how dare anybody cross me? Who do they think they are offending me? Do they not know who I am? And second, whether we realize it or not, our unforgiving attitude is actually seeking out the destruction of our neighbor as the only way to remedy their offense against us. Bluntly stated, we want our neighbor to suffer 
and to bleed for their offense against us. And only after their offense against us has been satisfied by their suffering and bleeding are we possibly able, I say possibly, able to forgive them. Dear friends, we must keep in mind that in the eyes of the world, someone has to bleed and die when we are offended and sinned against. The world teaches you not to let go, to not forgive. The world teaches you to keep a record of wrong and to seek vengeance. The world tells you that vengeance is in your control. The world tells you not to be merciful, to be hard-hearted and unforgiving to fellow man, to not be weak with forgiveness. But what the world does not tell you is this, that this kind of thinking, this kind of attitude, winds you up in hell. In our gospel reading from Matthew, we read about a servant who was forgiven $7.5 billion in today's money, $7.5 billion of debt. However, this same servant dared to put the screws to another person for owing him $20,000. Jesus calls this servant wicked. Yes, he is wicked, for he was just forgiven $7.5 billion of debt, and then he goes out with an unmerciful heart and demands $20,000 from his neighbor when he should have shown mercy on his fellow servant. And so the point is this. When we refuse to forgive others who have wronged us, when our knuckles are white from clinging to injustices, and when our time and energy are spent trying to figure out how to get even and to make someone else bleed, well, we are truly the wicked ones ourselves. We are wicked and stubborn because we have failed to realize that someone has already bled for the offense that was committed against us. Yes, we have failed to recognize that someone has already bled for the sin committed against us and someone has already bled for the sin of not forgiving. Dear baptized saints, drop your vengeance. Release your neighbors from your unforgiving heart. Christ Jesus has bled for your sin. He's bled for my sin. He has bled for the sin that has been committed against you and against me. Blood has been shed already. Furthermore, Christ Jesus has not treated us the way that we deserve. He has not punished us for our sin. He has not unleashed vengeance upon us. He owed us nothing, yet he gave himself wholly to you and to me. Because the Lord gave up his right and claim over you and me, he desires that we too should do likewise to our neighbors. If the Lord has forgiven you $7.5 billion, why should you not give your neighbor 20000 Since you've been forgiven of every sin of thought, word, and deed from the time of your birth until the very last dying breath, and since you have been forgiven of your sinful condition that has tainted your heart, Why should you not give forgiveness to your neighbor? Baptized saints, Jesus Christ gives himself to you. He becomes your gracious Lord. He is kind to you. He is gracious and merciful to you. And he serves you with his good gifts when he has absolutely no reason to do this except for his rich mercy. Therefore, it does not make sense to do otherwise to our neighbors. 
That is not who you are. The truth of the matter is this. No more blood needs to be shed for sin that we commit or is committed against us. For Jesus' blood on the cross is sufficient for the sin of the entire world. And so, today, not only is the gospel reading about forgiveness, but it is about living in freedom. It is about knowing that Jesus Christ has forgiven us of an overwhelming debt of sin, more than we could ever pay for ourselves, which frees us from the trap of bitter unforgiveness. The gospel frees us from the poisonous spirit that clings to unforgiveness. Yes, we are freed. Yes, we are freed that you are freed to forgive every wrong in the name of Jesus, whether the wrongdoer repents and makes acknowledgement to us or not. We are freed not to hold anything against our neighbor except the desire for them to settle their sin with God so that they too may find forgiveness, life, salvation, and freedom in Jesus. Blessed baptized saints, Jesus Christ has bled for you. Forgiveness is yours and for your neighbor. No more shed blood is needed. Yes, no more shed blood is needed for Christ has bled for you and for your neighbor's forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormattrichard.org or visit Zion Lutheran Church's website at www.zionwinner.org. The Lord bless and keep you.